1: Hello, everyone. It's that time for the Jaymore Tech Talk Show, where we answer questions about technology, explain the way they should work, and why they don't sometimes. And now here's your host, John C. Morley. Hey, everyone. Welcome once again to the Jaymore Tech Talk Show. It is great to be here uh, on another Friday evening. How are you doing today, Marcus?
2: It's great to also be here on a wonderful Friday. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me, John, as always.
1: Well, it is a pleasure, a pleasure. It's great to have you with us. And we have another great show. We have a wonderful interview from someone all the way in the United Kingdom. Uh, We'll talk about that person a little bit later. So you definitely want to stay tuned. It's not every day that we have somebody from the United Kingdom uh, on our show. So I think you're really going to. Uh, Enjoy that treat we have for you. So um, Europe uh, is having some challenges uh, in influencing tech. Europe is now going to drop the hammer, Marcus, on big tech. And they have two proposed bills uh, that are out there. The Digital Services Act is going to require tech players that reach 10% of the EU population to actively look for and mitigate risks available on their platform and the digital markets act would ban behavior by gatekeeper tech companies such as forced bundling of services and create obligations to smaller competitors such as price transparency that's going to be interesting what do you think
2: uh-oh uh-oh that's a big uh-oh you know <laughs> i think this is what our current administration wanted to do initially but it, they they failed to get it done and but look you know elsewhere they have a little bit more uh, leverage to be able to do it and I don't know if it's um, the, the people over there who dem- demanded this to happen but uh, but I I don't know what I, I'm kind of split on this how, how about you John
1: uh my feeling about it is that so now they're gonna be concerned because, if, if somebody reaches 10% of the EU population, okay, they now have to become concerned about the risks. Now, I got to tell you, I think that part is okay. All right? Because anybody that has a certain amount of sales should be responsible for the environment that they're creating or procreating in. Uh, the Digital Markets Act, um, I'm not crazy about that. So that's gonna ban tech companies or gatekeepers uh, and uh, not allow forced bundling of services. And so creating obligations to smaller competitors for price transparency. I'm not a hundred percent on board with the whole act, even the second act, I think it's got some pros to it, but I also think there's some problems because if we ban that kind of behavior, then we're now gonna require smaller companies to jump jump on board. And I just feel that uh, the Digital Services Act is good for the 10% because we need people to be responsible for what they're doing. Yeah. But the second part, I'm not really in love with the whole part of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that
2: transparency
1: part, it, it, it kind of
2: intrudes on, on the privacy a little bit the the sovereignty yes. of of what starting your own company is supposed to be about and you know it's like you're getting penalized for being a little little huge a, a little bit uh but as, as you mentioned though john you know personal uh, responsibility social social responsibility is is very important you know we got to have some type of account- accountability out there for uh the things we were putting out
1: yeah, i agree and i think in the united states you know we are starting to make companies, especially social media companies responsible, but we're doing it in a different way. Um, I won't say we're policing it, but we're just kind of um, creating rules by different social organizations, like we saw with the Facebook and Instagram group. So we're taking accountability a little bit differently and we're putting the onus more on a third party organization, which incidentally the United States, is actually run by people that are in uh, other parts of the world outside of the US so why aren't they taking advantage of that same program
2: it,
1: you
2: know I, I think isn't I see it as, I think they see it as an opportunity for them to have uh, direct oversight of it and to be able to like penalize these companies very hard and and, and really like dig into their pockets and, and say hey, you broke the rule here, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's the law of the land. So now you owe us.
1: It's a slap in the face. It's like, okay, you're not allowed to come on my side of the fence, but before I even told you that you step on the the other side of the fence and, oh, by the way, here's a million dollar fine. Right. (laughs) That's what it almost feels like. You know, it's like, I didn't really tell you, you couldn't come here. You knew you weren't welcome, but now here's a fine. So I'm just going to slap you in the face. It feels like a slap in the face, really.
2: Yeah, I, I can. I, you can see it and smell it from a while, miles away, and I, I think you called it right out the gate. Uh, so, I'll be I'll be really surprised to see if any businesses is going to be uh, willing to you know uh, put their noses over there anymore.
1: There's going to be some backlash, and I think a lot of business we're already starting to see is is going away from the foreign countries yeah they're def- starting to see more yeah, of that
2: yeah they're definitely returning back home uh, as as uh, a policy toughens up uh, a, a bit overseas uh, because it, the fact that the, fact of the matter is is that you, you just can't do certain things you can do uh, else, you know a- exactly
1: at home. so I feel that once they start to smell the kool-aid I don't mean the the companies i mean the people that are saying the rules i think they might loosen their belts a little bit cuz they're going to like you know you know take their their face off despite it and 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 i think that's going to be a problem and they're not really aware of the dangers they're going to be possibly and the costs they might be affording to the country because of these new laws
2: yeah absolutely uh this yeah this is uh definitely uh, one of those situations uh, where, where, where you know, practically what's happening, wh- what we thought was happening before where all of our jobs were leaving, uh, they, they're going to return back home.
1: I think it's going to happen. It's not going to happen overnight, but I do see that starting to happen. And speaking about laws, uh, Marcus, okay. uh, good old judge denies Apple's motion to limit the testimony from Tim Cook in the Fortnite lawsuit. We've been talking about that for a long time. You remember? (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, this latest development in this ongoing saga between Epic games and Apple over the iPhone's maker App Store policy. um, There's a new order from the judge, Thomas Hickson, outlining the rules for Apple CEO, Tim Cook's planned testimony in the case, as well as whether the software engineer, Chief Craig Uh, Federai may have to participate in the case. The court order also spotted that this past Thursday by iMore and the Apple Insider gives their first glimpse on how Apple's executive leadership may be involved in the ongoing antitrust lawsuit, which I guess they really weren't wanting to do. Uh, This order was issued not too long ago, just on the 15th. And uh, it's saying, and I quote, that Apple will not be able to limit Mr. Cook's testimony to four hours, as the company had saw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I
2: think they're in trouble. They are. Uh, they, they're going they're to they're gonna have to pay up. They're going to have to pay up big.
1: Uh, I think what's going to happen is, you know, as she, anybody knows, when you go to court, it costs big money. And I think yeah. when the Apple uh, legal team starts to realize, even though Apple has big pockets, They don't have pockets to stay in court every single day of their life. No. So um, Hickson also shot down a request from Apple to replace uh, Federai with Eric uh, Nukenwander, the company's director of privacy engineering. It's like they tried to shove somebody else in there. And uh, Federai is now listed as a document custodian, which is going to have an effect on which documents may or may not be entered into and used as discovery at the request of epics lawyers that is a mouthful there marcus
2: it is they They—they were trying really hard to do some damage control and really to save save the pretty press uh and uh and, and brand uh but you know at the, at the end of the day they, they're still apple and they might as well just get it over with and just take it it, as, exactly. As, as a go take it like a man.
1: <laughs> exactly. I, I think it's making everyone start to look down on Apple, even though they're a very big company. and They've done yeah. a lot of great things. I think our respect is starting to drop a little for them as a company. And uh, even though, you know, a lot of things have transpired, they're saying that this new person coming in um, is that uh, he shouldn't have to testify. But, you know, the court could order this new person. Uh, to testify as a court order. So if that happens, uh, there might be a lot more light that's actually shed, uh, or I should say more darkness <laughs> put on the case for Apple. Yeah. And really what it comes down to is I really don't think, you know, uh, Fortnite, Epic Games is at fault. I think think what a business would do they're they're getting shafted and they're trying to stop the bleeding they're not trying to do anything unethical or illegal what happens marcus if you're taking credit cards at your business and suddenly you learn that they're ripping you off when you think they're doing so well what do you do you go shop for another credit card right right and you get a new merchant
2: Absolutely. You know, having not been no stranger to credit cards and the trouble they can get you into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I tell you one thing, you know, I, I'm not going to sit around and just, you know, uh, and, and find myself getting deeper and deeper into a hole just on the behalf of someone else's hiccups.
1: A- absolutely. And that goes for the consumer, but also the business owner. So if you're a merchant taking credit cards and let's just say my rate was whatever it was, let's say it was a uh, 1.9 something plus a 15 cent transaction fee. And suddenly you're saying that you're gonna be 2.6, I'd rather go with the 1.9. Or a lot of times people say, hey, you know, we're gonna do credit card processing for you and it's gonna be a monthly flat fee, which is all nonsense. So I think at the end of the day, doing something to save a business money that is not going to uh, let's say uh, discriminate anyone or harm anyone else uh, I think that's completely legal I think Apple just got a little big for the britches and they feel that because they're Apple they can do whatever the heck they want and they thought they're going to get away with it but the bottom line is the upcoming deadline for the new filing is now set for January 6 2021 uh, and then a hearing two days later so we're going to be following this Marcus to see exactly what happens and uh, it's going to be very, very interesting, uh, you know, that Apple offered to have, to have uh, you know, the saying about the thing about Apple now offered to have uh, Cook d- d- deposed, but uh, was disputing the length of time. Federer was actually making a document custodian, but the decision has not been made whether he will have to testify in the case, as we said. So the headline has been updated to reflect these changes, because when they originally went in, they actually had a wrong headline in there. So they did fix it. But I just think this is going to become big news come 2021. It's going to be a very top case, which I think Marcus is going to set the bar for other companies that are going to try to do other things inside and outside of apps. So I think this is going to set a, a stage or a precedence.
2: Yeah, it is. It's going to create something a lot more different for, for that world and that arena out there. And you know, after this lawsuit, you know, after this, this, this these court proceedings, as, 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 as you were, these court proceedings, uh, like like you said, John, you know, there's going to have to be some changes out there.
1: Exactly. You know, and, and with all this history going on and back and forth, doesn't Apple realize that this is actually costing them, this is bringing them through the mud, and it's actually costing them money, and it's hurting their reputation every single day they're in court. It's not helping them.
2: No, it's not. Uh, it. I, I hate to be that PR person. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I don't want to do their PR either. And, you know, and speaking about history, yeah. uh, my next guest, Claire Wilson, is a professional researcher, and uh, she actually carries out family history research for private clients. Uh, she provides uh, these things at eulogy services. Uh, she plans for ancestral tours, house histories, talks, workshops for a variety of community and mental health groups and sells a range of handmade Scottish and vintage items uh, by her Etsy store. Um, she actually runs a, a company uh, called Treehouse Genealogy. And believe it or not, she has a lot of people, Marcus, in the United States that she does work for because people in the United States are more interested in knowing about their family heritage than the people in the United Kingdom. Isn't that something? That is awesome, you know. Uh, Well, listen, please welcome to our show, uh, Claire Wilson, a genealogist and historian. And uh, let's see what we can learn from her tonight. Well, how are you doing, everyone? I have uh, Claire Wilson with us tonight on the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. And Claire, welcome to the show. Um, She is a genealogist, is that correct?
4: Yes, a professional genealogist. A
1: professional genealogist. So I have to ask you, what is that?
4: I research family trees for a living. Um, I took my hobby that one step further and now do it for clients worldwide. So yeah.
1: Is that that what got you into that path or what actually got you to do the level of work that you're doing now? How did it change from a hobby into something that's now more of a profession, right?
4: Um, I mean, I started way back in 2004. Um, The winters in Scotland are very cold and very dark. Um, And I felt for several years that all I did was vegetate in front of the television. So I made the decision to start looking into my family tree. Um, It was always something that had interested me hearing about family stories Um, so I took it up as a hobby and it quickly, I quickly became engrossed in the subject, spending my winters, you know, working on my PC and Mm -hmm. the better weather, basically visiting graveyards, places my ancestors lived. Um, and certainly the winters passed a lot quicker. Um, so it wasn't really for about four or five years after that, I realized that the local university ran a postgraduate course in genealogy and a signed up. Um, And a few years after leaving university, I went on to set up one business, Treehouse Genealogy. And as I said, work with tri clients worldwide, um, researching their family trees. Um, The other thing that I do is I teach local community groups. Oh, wow. How to to research, start Uh the research and, and progress it as well.
1: So I have to ask you, Claire, I mean, obviously you're very knowledgeable in this field. Can you share with us maybe two or three things that you'd like to share about your family? Did you learn anything very unique uh, that you didn't know about your family uh, before doing this research?
4: Uh, Yes, certainly my own family tree. um, Interesting things. That's a good one. Uh, I found an an inventor in my own family tree who um, invented a flying machine, an early flying machine, um, round about 1910, something like that. Um, and also my great great grandfather was taken to court for watering down Scotch whiskey um, wow. in his public
1: house. <laughs> so I have to ask you, Curse, obviously, you know, we're we're a tech show, and yeah. I wanted to ask you, so how is it that technology, because I understand that's been a big part of what's helped you, how has technology helped you to research your family trees and other of your clients' uh, family trees uh, easier? And what's that been like? Share that with us.
4: It's, I mean, in, in 16 years, it has changed dramatically. Um, it wasn't so long ago that genealogy records were mostly searchable via microfilm and microfiche readers in local libraries or archives, and you had to sit for hours and scroll through keeping your eye out for the name, uh, but more and more nowadays these records are slowly being indexed, digitized, and placed on free websites such as FamilySearch and also subscription uh, websites such as Ancestry, The Genealogist, to, to mention a couple. Um, also, also online newspaper archives, you used to have to sit and go through a microfilm to, to look through newspapers. They now use um, OCR technology, so optical character recognition technology, to help don't find particular uh, articles that relate to your ancestors. Um, The other thing is that, you know, there are so many records that are not yet available online. Um, It's getting there, um, but slowly and surely. Um, I think what a lot of overseas researchers don't realise is that there are still so many records not yet available online. Um, Some of them hold fascinating stories about your families that add so much um, you know, to that person's personality and so much to that particular family. Um, So I think, you know, as they're gradually being added, um, yeah, it's going to get so much better, I think, you know, as it's all being added.
1: Mm -hmm. So it's not just about learning about, let's just say, your family or other people's families, but once you learn about them, I guess there's things that you might explore uh, in your own way of life or your client's way of life that maybe they might've never um, tackled before. Like if suddenly they were a painter or if they were a certain type of artist, maybe they were a specialist in clay or a musician, they might've never had that, I guess, push to go try. Oh, my grandfather was that, or my great grandfather was that. And well, our family's known for music. Really? Yeah, it's part of our genes. So I think that's, that's pretty unique. But the other question that comes to mind, I'm sure this happens uh, with a lot of people you talk to. Um, what is it uh, that would inspire someone uh, to want to get a family tree? And does this happen with singles, couples? Uh, is there a certain type of person that asks for a family tree or a certain time in their life or not really necessarily?
4: Um, There's a great many reasons John. Um, It can often be just that they're curious um, about an old family document or a photograph that they came across, across, um, perhaps proving or disproving a family scandal or rumour that's been passed down the generations, Um, often researching health conditions that are prominent within the family um, or just even being curious about how their ancestors lived. the world um, and the descendants of these immigrants tend to hang on to their heritage so for many of my overseas clients it's all about connecting with their roots and finding out more about the traditions and the stories that have been passed down the generations Um, however I do think that it is something that you know as you get older um, you do start to think you know more about where you came from
1: Is this something now, Claire, that is becoming more popular with millennials or with the new generation? I mean, is there any rhyme or reason to that or is it doesn't have anything really connected to do with that?
4: I would certainly say that it's becoming a bit more. um, You know, I went to visit a client recently and um, she said to me that her grandson had been looking into the family tree and he was actually at high school. Um, which I thought was actually fantastic because most of, you know, when I started doing family trust today, um, people thought I was very young um, to to be starting to do it at my age. Um, So to actually see children at high school taking an interest is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's certainly starting to, the the age gap certain starting to widen a good bit, I would say.
1: So basically it's becoming something I guess people are doing now because of the pandemic, right? I mean, Before the pandemic, this is obviously spurred, I guess, something that can bring families closer together. And um, I always say you could put a puzzle together, but what's more uh, intimate for a family than to learn about where your roots came from? Yeah. And I think it can actually tie you together uh, a lot better. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, there's that, but I also think that it's one of those things that people, you know, Put off. They didn't have the time to do it, and the pandemic has given them that time to to actually work on things now.
1: So it's de- it's definitely something that is it's uh it's going to probably keep growing even as the pandemic uh, ends someday, hopefully soon. It's yeah. it's just another it's another type of family hobby uh, that yeah. I guess uh you know a lot of times people will play like uh, bocce or you know they'll play a family sport this is almost like a family sport even though it's not competitive uh i've been hearing from some people that some parts of the family they actually have contests to see who can get more on their family tree so it kind of inspires them uh the kids and and different people to get motivated and then what they do is they they buy a present if you will and the person that completes the tree first or gets the most pieces at the end will they get the tree maybe maybe it's a dinner or a prize or, or something uh, and it's just some way of getting people because a lot of times with kids and families you know they don't want to do the work unless they're getting paid for it so i know like myself and you we get the value of that but some of the younger people always feel like if i'm not getting paid for something well why should i be spending time doing it like yeah. what's it going to do for me right i guess that's really the I guess that's really, really the big issue. So what I have to ask you, Claire, is obviously you use technology a lot. So how has technology helped you? I'm sure it's done something as far as uh, maybe helping you reach more areas or more countries. Has that had any benefit or not really?
4: Um, Certainly, yes. Um, There's a lot of information online. Um, You know, archives have each archive from each state. Certainly, if you look at America, the state archives have fantastic catalogues. Some of them have records online that you can actually view. The subscription websites have a lot of information as as well. Um, You know, there's a lot that's not online, but it's certainly a good good starting point. Um, And it's so easy nowadays just to, if it's not online, drop the archive a quick email, hit them with your question, um, and and they can point you in the right direction. Um, It certainly is that to close the gap, but, you know, there is a lot still sitting in archives. And I think the fact that people don't tend to visit archives as much now, they're reducing their staff down, which perhaps is going to mean that the digitising of these records is going to take a bit longer um, because there's not the staff there nowadays to actually to actually produce that. Um, but I mean, there's i mean, there's so many records sitting in archives that are fascinating and potentially hold a lot of information on each of our families.
1: Everything you've done, I'm sure, has been amazing. And you continue to, I guess, uh, you know, um, I guess, impress yourself and others every day because it's always like another mystery every time you do another uh, family tree. They're never quite the same, are they? It's always different. No, I'm I have to ask you, what has been the most profound thing that you have learned from any client uh, or yourself uh, in doing um, genealogy?
4: Um I think certainly in clients' trees there's something fascinating in every tree. Um so that can actually vary between finding, you know, war heroes. Um I found a few bigamists actually <laughs> as well. Um and, and also, you know, in Scotland was a big cold, night. you know, several members of one family who lost their lives um in a pit disaster. Um, One of the other things I enjoy doing is actually local history projects. Um, So I'm actually researching a murder case um, where a a lady was um, strangled um, from the 1880s. Um, It was a story that my grandfather told me and um, I've been researching hundreds of pages of handwritten police statements at the moment um, and it's quite an explosive story and will make quite an interesting book, actually.
1: Did you ever think that you'd be uncovering things like this when you started this journey many, many years ago?
4: No. um, The thing about family history, John, is that it's a lot more than just names, dates, and places on a chart. You know, when I started out, you know, you, you record all the names and the dates and the places, but you soon get to realize that, wait a minute, you know, what's this really telling me about the family? It's the stories that make these people a bit more real. Um, So it's when you add all the stories into the equation, um, yeah, you get to to feel feel a bit more of a connection with them and see similarities sometimes with yourself. Um, But yeah, you know, um, I can't believe really how much I've actually learned and, you know, and still learn. Um, I mean, even during the pandemic, the amount of family history, you know, virtual conferences that have taken place, a lot of them actually for free. Um, has been fascinating with a lot of amazing, you know, speakers in the field as well.
1: I bet you have to almost pinch yourself to say, you know, is this real, right? Because you're doing this and you're like, is this a dream? And it's not, it's really somebody's life or it could be your life. Uh, uh, How long does it typically take to research uh, a family tree?
4: It can vary because it depends how far you actually want to go. Um, I mean, I remember hearing... Way back, it can take about 30 years to research your own family tree, and that's going you know, direct ancestors and all the way out as well. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, if I'm doing just the direct ancestors for a client, um, you know, you could be looking anywhere between a week and two weeks' research,
1: and that's probably enough for most people, they just want to get, I guess, some lineage and learn, you know what are their roots in? You know, obviously you hear about, you know, making a family crest and things like that. And a lot of times we do that so that we can learn about our our family and and what they've done. And I remember doing a family crest when I was in school and, you know, you you didn't necessarily know what it was about. We thought it was just an art project, but really it was a research project. And ours wasn't quite as elaborate as yours. We were just asking our mom, our dads, our grandparents, great-grandparents, if they were alive, and some things about their families and putting them into this little crest. Yeah. Which they were all with the same shape. You could have different colors, you could have different pieces. And what we did is we dis- divided them. So like okay. if there was like the maternal side, the father's side, the grandmother's side, uh, the, the, the father's uh, other side. So you divided that into those four quadrants and that kind of made up the family. And then sometimes what we did in the center is either we put like the, the, the letter, uh, the last name usually went in the center, or there might have been a certain color uh, that was associated with the name or the, the two families. Uh, so that's always, you know, the, the interesting part. But I have to ask you something, Claire. So uh, myself or anyone else right now, what do you advise someone if they would like to just get started on this trail? How can they get started? Is it expensive? And how would somebody just get started for fun?
4: Do you mean for themselves, John, like researching themselves? Yeah,
1: just for themselves, just to just learn, maybe not doing it with any special intention, just to have it as a project for the family to work on.
4: I mean, even if, I I would certainly suggest to anyone, even if you don't intend to start looking at your family tree for years to come or you don't have the time at the moment, take the time to speak to some of the senior mem- members of your family um, get the stories down you know we all have voice recorders on our phones nowadays sit with you know grandmothers parents whoever it happens to be ask them about their memories what they remember about the parents their grandparents people who served during the wars um get any copies of any old documents or photographs that they might have um get it now um, I mean, my grandfather died when I was 16 and I just so wish that i had actually asked him more um, than, than I actually did because he probably could have told me so many more stories. Um, but certainly get all that now. Um, and if you're starting it just now, start with yourself, you know, start with yourself. Look at your parents, look at all the birth, marriage and death certificates, because those are the key points that will lead you back on to the next generation and the next generation.
1: My um, grandmother on my uh, father's side, which is which is his mother,
0: uh, one of my. You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. now in Lowry or downtown.
1: Projects for social studies was to uh, to do something about our family, uh, and to use something to bring something about history uh, and teach the class and something that I could learn from. So I went to my grandmother, and um, I said to her, I said, do you have something that I can share with my class? I need to do an oral project. I had never done an oral project in my life. And that was when you had to tape the person. And then I literally had to do a story from that. So I would be taping my grandmother so that I could literally be writing stuff because I wasn't going to be playing her recording. I was basically going to be using what happened. But what I did with mine, which was unique, is I used one or two phrases from my grandmother, um, and she was telling me the story of how they were on bread lines and how they were all fighting for food and things like that. So when I told the story, I said, you know, this probably doesn't sound very realistic to you, but I want you to hear it right from my grandmother, what they would do for food every night. Yeah. And I played that section and they were like, I said, and this is real. Mm -hmm. So we have to be very grateful for everything we have today. And for uh, just the fact that we have knowledge. And I know when I originally studied social studies, I thought it was boring. But when I learned how social studies affects us as as people, as a community, as a family, Um, it becomes interesting. I think when you hear facts, Claire, and you probably can relate to this, it's boring when you just mention facts. When you tie the facts into somebody's personal life or their world, it starts to excite you, doesn't it? And I think that's the problem with a lot of teachers that try to teach social studies. They try, but they don't make it interesting as it can relate to your life. And I think that's why a lot of times I used to call it sleepy studies, because it was just they talked about a year. You had to memorize all this timeline. And I'm like, why? And later on, I learned that it wasn't about social studies, but it was about the culture and how there's so much we can learn from them. But all the teachers did was they brought it to us by facts. They didn't really explain it to us from an ancestry point of view. And I yeah. think it would have been a lot more beneficial. And I know I would have been more interested in it Um, to learning, you know, what happens from our rights and stuff like that. I, I mean, we learn things like, you know, Rosa Parks and all kinds of stuff. But other stuff, they just kind of put facts at you. Then you had to memorize them, do an essay question, and then you forgot about it. Yeah. So that that's the problem I find. So. People out there, if they want to choose a certain software, is there one that they should specifically go to use or try to start building their tree?
4: There's a wealth of software out there. Um, I use um, one called Family Historian, which is mainly aimed at professional um, genealogists. It gets a bit, if you've not used it for a while, it takes a bit of getting back into. But it's is, definitely... is, there, is there
1: something a basic user should use? Obviously not so much so professional. <laughs>
4: You know, a lot of people actually build their family trees on um, Ancestry website. Um, okay. And there's and there's other um, free websites that you can actually use to build your family tree as well.
1: Um, and there's so now is stuff. that is that a free website or do they charge you at some point?
4: Ancestry is a subscription website, um, but you could I think I think I don't know if you can build your tree um, on the free package possibly um but i don't know whether you can then i don't think you can connect with other people if they have the same you know person on their tree um but i mean there's a wealth of software if you look up amazon for family history software i would just recommend going okay read them all read the reviews and find one that suits you because there is so many you know so many out there and so many good ones
1: I well, was just um, looking at it right now. So Ancestry.com, which, by the way, we're not affiliated with and we're not endorsing no. these products. But just to give you a just, to give you a, 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 just a benchmark for this, because I know some people are probably going to ask that. So a monthly membership for U.S. Discovery is twenty four ninety nine. okay that's monthly. If you do a six month, it's $99 and then you save $50. dollars They have a World Explorer, which is uh, monthly is $39.99, and a six-month, you save $90. It's $140. And if you want all access, so the world gives you access to the U.S. uh, international records on Ancestry.com, then all access gives you Ancestry, newspapers, uh, and then Fold3.com, which is another uh, repository, $49.99 a month for the monthly, and $199.99 for the six-month, you save $100. Uh, So that's basically it. Now, you can go there, you can take a look at it. But something interesting I found out uh, about Ancestry.com, which was very interesting, and you may or may not have heard of this uh, before, Claire, is that they actually do something called Ancestry with DNA. Have you heard anything with that?
4: Yes, I've actually um, just bought the test. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've tested with um, a few other companies. I've tested with Family Tree DNA and 23andMe, which included the health, the genetic health test. Um, and Ancestry was the only one that I hadn't tested with, and they were running an offer that was £30 um, saving um, just a couple of weeks ago. So I've actually bought the test. And what you can actually do with that is you they upload your DNA results with your family tree. And it means that if you match with somebody on your DNA, it usually will tell you that they suspect that it's possibly a second cousin or a third cousin. You can look at one another's trees and work out where the relationship actually matches and how you how you're actually related. It's
1: so, a that's uh, a nice that's a nice gift to give someone for Christmas or the holiday, uh, a gift that can actually help you learn more about yourself. Um, yeah. So, Claire, we we are almost out of time. I have really enjoyed um, the time that we've spent learning about uh, Ancestry and learning about, you know, your craft and and what you do. Uh, I just have a couple more questions. The question I want to know is when does somebody reach out to someone like you? When is it that you go from being, let's say, doing it on your own to have to reaching out? What is that step? When does somebody know they need someone like you to step in?
4: Mainly when they get stuck, (laughs)
1: Okay.
4: (laughs) mainly when they get stuck. I mean, there there is times that, you know, it's, it's for instance, a client in America who the names are all Scottish names or English names. And they say, I know that there's potentially a link with, you know, great Britain. Um, I sometimes need to carry the research out on, you know, the U S side of the pond before bringing it back to the UK. Um, but yeah, certainly, um, not having the know-how, looking for, you know, a bit more expert expertise or records that potentially are not available online because there is a lot still not there. Uh, but, you know, slowly but surely we're getting there.
1: But but ancestry and, and genealogy has been around for years, right? Yeah. Genealogy. But people have just not, I guess, uh, paid much attention to it. So yeah. when they talk about rocks and genealogy, that's also genealogy too. When you talk about rock study, I've heard, is that similar or is that a different? Rock study? Yeah. So when they talk about genealogy of rocks, is that very, uh, is it similar to how they trace the rocks back to their heritage? Is that similar with people or is it a little bit different?
4: I think it's a bit different, John, yeah.
1: A little bit yeah. different. Okay. Yeah. It's still yeah. about tracing a heritage, but one yeah. is more about people. And I guess one is more about uh I guess I guess the continents and and, yeah. and things like that um, it is just a very fascinating um, industry I'm sure more people hopefully are around the holiday times uh, may choose to uh, maybe visit ancestry or other websites and maybe get started uh, on this on this really um, interesting life journey that can teach you a lot about not only um, yourself but your family and you might be able to tap potentials that you didn't even know existed because you didn't know that you had those hidden genes because you just didn't feel like, you know, you're going to try that. Uh, for example, you might be uh, contemplating doing a tightrope tight walking um, or never doing that. But now you learn that your late 17th cousin did that. And you're like, wow, maybe I can do that. And And, and I think that's the interesting point is that when we see somebody else do it it's like it doesn't seem so hard at least in our family we think oh i probably can do that because i'm in the same family now not always but at least i think it gives people an opportunity so that they can share um a little bit more about themselves that maybe they wouldn't have tried in the past because uh they just didn't have the confidence level Um, so i think what you're doing is, is is really amazing and um You know, when people get out there and I guess just get to learn one little thing about their life that they might have never learned, I think that is just um, priceless. Uh, The last thing I would tell you is that if you do decide to do something like this, realize, right, Claire, this is not an overnight project. This is going to take them quite a few weeks, quite a few months. It's going to
4: take a a long time. (laughs) If
1: if you're somebody that's going to get discouraged, what I recommend is that you get together with your family and make it a family project, because uh, this is not a task for just one person, even a very intelligent person. There's things that you're going to need help with. And uh, by having a team of people, it's going to not only make it more fun, but it's going to not frustrate you because you're going to get stuck, right? That's going to be a known thing. Well, again, Claire, this was uh, really amazing. I thank you so much for spending time with us. And Uh, getting up because I know the time um, being over here at like almost five something the evening or laughter is quite a bit different. What's the time zone different? How many time hour difference? Are you ahead of us or behind us?
4: We are five hours ahead. So I'm
1: at. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so it's obviously always later uh, over there. So we do want to thank you for for coming on the show with us. And uh, again, we do wish you a very happy, healthy, safe holiday season. And uh, it is a fascinating thing to what you're doing. Again, we have Claire Wilson from Treehouse Genealogy. And do you have a website, Claire?
0: I do, yes. Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown.
4: www.treehousegenealogy.co.uk You can also find my Treehouse Genealogy pages on most social media channels and I do share a lot of special offers, um, upcoming webinars and all sorts of other things to um, help you get involved and, and, and learn more.
1: Is there anything that you'd like to share with our viewers tonight? Is there anything that you think we need to share with them before we say goodbye?
4: I would definitely say if there's anything, we're coming into the holidays. Um, If there's one tip I can share, it's you're going to be meeting with friends and family. Take the time and ask um, family members what they remember. Um, Take some notes on your phone, do a quick recording on your phone. But use these times to actually, you know, um, ask and find out more because um, you'll regret it
1: later if you don't. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think uh, Claire has said a mouthful there that, you know, we, we don't want to live our life in regret. So we always want to do something and don't say, I wish I would have done something. I wish I would have done my family tree. right now. Yeah. Uh, so don't have any regrets. If you need help, uh, definitely reach out to someone like Claire, or, or reach out to uh, Ancestry and and do some different things. Again, thank you so much for being on the show. We have really uh, enjoyed uh, the information you provide us with and the tips. and I hope many of you will attempt, well, not attempt, actually complete your family tree. Make it a project for twenty twenty one. How about that? Set a set a uh, what do I call that? Set a, uh, a goal for you and your family as many members as you can start working on your genealogy tree. And even if you're doing it social distance, no problem. You can do social uh, uh, distancing and still work on trees through uh, FaceTime and Zoom and all kinds of stuff, right? So there's really no no excuse for not being able to build a family tree, right, Claire?
4: Yeah, exactly. I've actually been sharing charts, family charts and reports with my clients via Zoom calls now rather than taking it to their homes. So yeah, it works. <laughs>
1: Thank you very much, Claire. Again, Claire I'm Wilson sure. from Treehouse Genealogy, a professional genealogist. Uh, when you're trying to do something with your tree and you're stuck, well, don't give up. Consult a professional genealogist so that you can help build some more branches and uh, get more life into your life. I'm John C. Morley, and again, I thank Claire Wilson from Treehouse Genealogy. This has been an amazing uh, presentation on technology that actually can help us to learn a little bit more about ourselves and our lives, maybe even help us become better people. Pace Diagnostics, an emerging California-based biotech startup, initiated a crowdfunding campaign to help launch a novel and sensitive COVID-19 antigen rapid detection test that will boost the accuracy and the accessibility of COVID-19 testing worldwide. Anyone can perform this test and do not need anything else beside what is provided in the kit your support is needed to rid this virus and get more tests out there please make a donation right now by clicking the link in the description okay wow marcus what do you think of that that was a
2: wonderful interview i enjoyed it so much and i have learned so much and um it's got me motivated to just definitely you know get out there and and give it a give it a go, and give it a try.
1: I got to tell you, before uh, before the Corona time, even doing these shows, we never really thought we could reach out so far because always we would have people come in there local. But now this has actually opened the door to possibilities because people could be anywhere.
2: Yeah, I mean that's just the magic of uh, just just what you know, these type of platforms offer. And uh, like, uh, again, you know, what she's doing from afar, um, I mean, it's invaluable. It's a great service. And um, I, I'm, I'm just truly motivated,
1: you know, about it. You know,
2: she has a fascinating background uh, story herself.
1: She, she does. And again, definitely check out her website if you did miss it. It's just tree like a tree. And that you want to go climb, <laughs> treehouse genealogy g e n e a l o g y dot c o dot u k and she has a really nice website. You can reach out to her, and she offers lots of different programs. She has webinars, and I think she's a good resource. Um, you know, if you're not sure what to do with your tree, or like she said, if you're stuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but Marcus, I, I have to say uh, amazing interview, you know, and, and having somebody from 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 the United Kingdom. And she really uh, sacrificed with us to be able to do that interview because it's like the wee hours of the morning over there for her.
2: Yeah, that's that's the amazing thing, you know, and uh, that, that shows <laughs> serves her a great dedication to to just the work that she she prides herself on. And uh, anyone that was passionate uh, to, to talk about uh, genealogy, that's the person you want to go to.
1: Absolutely. So definitely uh, another kudos out to Claire Wilson. Thank you so much from Triage Genealogy. So uh, Instagram is rolling out new information about COVID. Uh, New notifications about COVID. So they're joining many social media platforms trying to combat the spread of misinformation. Mm -hmm. Instagram announced two new features to help combat COVID uh, misinformation. So users uh, in certain areas with surge cases will see a link to their local health authority at the top of their feed. And anyone searching for vaccine information will also be directed to credible health sources. So these measures are obviously going to be able to help us uh, to you know, get uh, back on track. And um, also, um, they have, in addition to their social network, have blocking hashtags that contain vaccine misinformation. I think that's amazing uh, that they're being proactive like that. What do you think about that, Marcus? That that is,
2: I, I think it's real helpful. It's, it's I don't think it's uh, too much different from what they did uh, with um, kind of stopping the mispread of uh, election results and uh, things that were coming mm-hmm. out when you know um, the novelty uh, coronavirus first uh, made its debut on the scene. Um, quite popular so uh, I think we're gonna see more of this uh from Instagram and
1: I I, I agree with you and Facebook uh Instagram is, well a parent company uh for has rolled out its own misinformation combating feature sending users notifications if they've interacted with posts that contain it they have inf- misinformation so that's Facebook's uh old little system and YouTube has started adding cards below videos about the pandemic, linking to sources like the CDC and WHO and these same organizations that Instagram uses as examples. So Twitter has also uh, joined forces and they'll be removing misinformation about COVID-19. I think this is great, Marcus, that, um, you know, these social channels that usually don't do much of anything have actually jumped on board to try to make sure we have proper health information.
2: It's It's a good step in the right direction. And it's going to rid all of the fake news out of there. It's going to shift shift through that uh, and, you know, allow people to really get, the, the you know, the credible sources.
1: Yep. So kudos uh, off to uh, Facebook and Instagram and also Twitter. Uh, you remember the GoPro, right? You used to put it on your helmet and, you would uh, you know, you'd go um, skiing with it or what have you. And it'd be able to take pictures while you're uh, traversing the mountains. Yeah, I remember that little guy. (laughs) (laughs) So GoPro uh, now remote has the remote launches and alongside camera updates for faster data transfer. So up to 30% faster content transfers to phone. And the GoPro just announced this new feature. It's a wireless remote control alongside the free. uh, They get firmware updates. And it's just a nice uh, way that you can control the camera. Uh, remotely and the fact that it has the faster uploads of pictures I just think it's a nice feature and it's not that much Marcus uh we're talking under 100 bucks like 79.99 plus tax so actually not a bad uh not a bad thing if you look into
2: you know fill your Christmas list up I, I think this is a good thing to uh to, to, to put underneath your other under, underneath your tree so I think this is great
1: yeah in your tree underneath your tree or it might be a stocking stuffer there you go <laughs> so Facebook is temporarily disabling some Messenger and Instagram features in Europe. Oh wow! So, um, yeah, more more things going on. Um, a small message appeared in both the Facebook and Messenger and Instagram apps for European users this week, noting that some features aren't available to respect new rules for messaging services in Europe. Huh. Facebook doesn't outline exactly what features will be missing, but the company does reveal on its support page uh, that polls about both Messenger and Instagram uh, are currently unavailable in Europe. And alongside a lack of stickers in Instagram and no personalized replies on Messenger, um, other missing features may include a lack of certain file sends on Messenger, missing nicknames, or the ability to share AR effects in direct messages on Instagram. Uh, Facebook has temporarily disabled some of these features to comply with the new rules and data usage in the EU companies uh, countries. Excuse me, uh, and it's part of the national implementation that are taking place for the 2002 Privacy and Beyond Electronic Communications Act. It's funny, that came out in 2002, and then they're just waking up now to do this? Where have they been?
2: <laughs> Sounds like they're a little behind, and... Uh... Someone must have reminded them and tapped them on the shoulder, like, "Hey, you know, uh, what are where are the changes?" Uh, so, what what is do do you do you see do you see see um, any repercussions coming from the like the late response to this?
1: Well, I think what happened, if I had to guess, Marcus, is that it wasn't that somebody reminded them. I think they might have got a a, a letter from a lawyer. <laughs> and, and I think that basically said, hey, uh, what are you doing? And if we don't see something, well, we're going to probably take some action against you. They don't say that, but I think that's what actually happened.
2: Well, it seems like uh, Europe really means business nowadays. <laughs> so
1: Europe is not fooling around. I mean, they, yeah. they, they were always, you have to realize something. Um, Europe is still a breeding ground overseas, uh, at more not so much UK, but more of the overseas areas, uh, for lots of bad things, uh, credit cards being stolen, uh, fake bank accounts being opened, people can open bank accounts over there, and people seem to be harboring and laundering money over there, which you can't do over in the United States, even the UK or, or Canada, so they, they still got their problems over there. And uh, the United Kingdom and and Europe is just trying to make sure they're not part of it. But there are still some parts that are not complying with this uh, wonderful so-called law that they say everybody's complying with. If you ever notice, Marcus, a lot of these, um, let's just call them entertainment sites for um, the adults. Mm -hmm. Well, they're all run out of these companies and countries that are not in the United States. And they're not the United Kingdom. And they're not Canada. They're everywhere else. Yeah. And they have all these special rules over there and they just make things just sort of just happen.
2: Yeah, that that's um really interesting because like, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because, you know, uh, we know that industry has a lot of money poured into it and and, and and just yeah, trillions and trillions oh, of dollars and, and just the amount of leverage they sometimes can have on some of these smaller countries is is, is pretty uh, pretty immensely incredible and uh and you in like you said you know um europe is really trying to stay out of stay out of some of the 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 bad acting that's happening in in um in the other part of the exactly waters
1: So you got Europe, and then, I mean, Europe is like one part, but then I guess the other part of overseas, even though that's still Europe, they kind of like disassociate themselves with those other countries. Um, You know, we're talking about the countries you probably can't pronounce. Uh, Even, for example, people that want to do mass email spam. There are companies in China and other countries, and you could pay a lot of money over there, and they'll let you blast out emails and it won't damage your reputation so they're just not doing things ethically marcus right yeah, we're not doing yeah. that in the united states canada's not doing that united kingdom's not doing that
2: no uh there's no um you know no standard you know a- agreed upon standard around the world and that's quite obvious but you know uh europe's not going to play around with it and so they're going <laughs> <so>, absolutely not <laughs> so absolutely we're, we're finding not. that out you know really uh, as we go down these news stories here, so that's.
1: <laughs> and if you and if you play with it, you're you're going to get fined. And we're yeah. not just talking a hundred dollars; we're talking a lot of money.
2: Yeah, wow.
1: So Google, uh, we haven't talked about Google too much lately, but uh, Google acquires Neverware. So it's a company that turns old PCs into Chromebooks. Neverware is actually based in New York City. And they make a software application called Cloud Ready that allows you to convert a PC into a system that runs Chrome OS. Neverware states that it and its Cloud Ready software officially are officially part of Google and the Chrome OS team. Cloud Ready offers a free version for personal use as well as paid tiers for enterprise. So that's interesting that now they're trying to go after the recycled stuff and try to get them back on the Google platform. Isn't that interesting?
2: <laughs> That's very interesting. I, I think they they're trying to. Um, I guess they try to pre- pre- uh, prevent you know any of this stuff to be uh, resold uh, at at prices that they don't want to be sold at.
1: I think that's one reason I think the other reason Marcus that they're doing this is let's face it Google's an advertising company we know that Facebook Google they're advertising companies right so if they could get more butts in seats (laughs) to watch advertisement they're gonna do that aren't they
2: yeah absolutely
1: and that's why I think they're doing it that's 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 really why I think they're doing I mean they could try lots of stuff but That's really that's really the reason that I feel that, uh, you know, that 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 they're doing it. And um, it's just going to be interesting because, you know, uh, the thing is, is that Google is always trying to do stuff that they always claim that it's here to help people. But at the end of the day, it's really to put money in their pocket. Let's be honest about it. They always brag that they're doing stuff to help people, right? right? But at the end of the day, if it doesn't make them money, they don't have any part of it.
2: Yeah, uh, and that that's very true. I mean, you, you know, I I, <laughs> I can I can see, you know, how this, you know, I remember a game called the Number Munchers. You know, so, <laughs> and so, you know, it kind of reminds me of that, you know, they, they, they keep going after, you know, the, the, these the smaller, smaller companies, in, in, you know, and growing their power and, um, it, it's, it's feeding them, you know, and taking them to the next level. So, you know, so this, this, like you said, it's, it's all money, you know, so
1: I, I, It's all about money and and it's about, and and it's control, but really it's about money and it's about market share. And if there were a hundred laptops or a thousand laptops, and now they can get more butts and eyes in front of them, well, (laughs) they're gonna do what they can to get those laptops operating and functional. And then remember Google can grab more data and they can sell that to the highest bidder. We all know Google sells data. That's no surprise. They just like to lie about it and say they don't. Absolutely. Or what I like to call is error, error by creative omission.
2: Yeah. Is there, you know, so I'm just curious here. Do you think it's going to be any benefit to the consumer now that these, you know, uh, Chrome, you know, these uh, PCs that's turned into Chromebooks are going to be making their way back to, you know, Google um, directly?
1: So the real, the, 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 the benefit is, is one thing. They're going to be available at a lower cost because they're going to be refurbished. Right. So let's say you can buy, you know, they have all kinds of Chromebooks out right now. Um, And they're they're not fairly expensive. No, they're not. You could buy a Google Chromebook for, a cheap HP Google Chromebook for 250 bucks. Yeah. You could buy a Samsung Chromebook for $149. And then some higher end ones you can pay $650. You could buy a laptop that's a full laptop for almost that price. But see, the thing with a Google Chromebook, and most people don't get this, is that in order to use any kind of Google device, just like Apple device, you have to create an account and sign in. Yep. Without that, it's almost like you have nothing. But speaking about control and some politics and um, some power, maybe misappropriated, the Massachusetts governor, Charlie Baker has refused to sign a law banning most government use of facial recognition. So facial recognition uh, is just one facet of a a sweeping bill, uh, which aims to reform police tactics, training and accountability. So he refused to sign a law banning. Now remember, he's not signing a law prohibiting. Let's let's make sure we understand the, the, the verbiage here. He's refusing to sign a law banning most government use. See how that's a little confusing?
2: That is very confusing.
1: So really, what we're saying is we don't want that to happen. And he's saying that he's allowing that to happen. In other words, he doesn't want the banning to happen. He wants to let your facial recognition be swept around to be used. And Massachusetts governor is allowing that. He won't sign the police reform bill. And this is not making him a very popular camper, let's just say that. Because he's really abusing your personal identity. The Boston Globe, and I quote, reported last week that Baker sent an omnibus police reform bill back to the state lawmakers asking for changes that included striking the facial recognition rules. He said, absolutely not. He wants them in there. But in a letter to lawmakers, and I quote, Baker said the reform package ignores the important role facial recognition can play in solving crime. His office told the Globe that he plans to veto the bill if lawmakers don't make changes. (sighs) <sighs> wow. Just That's so, a privacy issue, Marcus. It is. It's a privacy issue. It's, it's, it's definitely... And facial recognition is just one part of a sweeping bill which aims to reform police tactics, training, and accountability. The package would create a new oversight commission to investigate misconduct and potentially revoke officers' licenses uh, and we restrict the use of chokeholds and rubber bullets and... Tear gas. <laughs> wow. In addition to the facial recognition ban, Baker objected to policies like shifting police training oversight to a civilian-led committee. <laughs> this is interesting, isn't it?
2: Yeah, this is very interesting. There's a lot of pieces to this, you know. But the the biggest one, you know, that uh, stand out. The transparency here, you know, it's, there. There isn't.
1: He claims that he needs it because he wants to be able to catch people in crime. We got plenty of ways to catch people—fingerprints—but yeah, he's not, claiming he needs fingerprint recognition, uh, bio, uh, um, facial recognition for that.
2: Yeah, that's 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 not really being entirely, you know, truthful and honest.
1: No, it's 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 an invasion of privacy.
2: Yeah, that's that's you know, you should we might as well just flat out say that like hey you know we just want to violate a couple of um, you know privacy laws. Well,
1: hopefully, hopefully he doesn't get elected back in and people realize what he's doing. But we'll 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 keep an eye on him. He's the only person in only all the states in the United States that has had has that has this issue with this bill. That he wants the bill to not go through, and by not going through, that means that they will be allowed to use facial recognition. We talked about Elon Musk not too long ago with his wonderful project coming up uh, for internet um, uh, access from space. Well, guess what? Amazon's coming up with their own project. (laughs) The the Cooper, Cooper, K-U-I-P-E-R reveals the design of antennas Customers we use for internet from Space Constellation, Amazon claims they are smaller and then light and then legacy antennas. So it seems like they're going neck and neck with Mr. Musk. <laughs> it's, it's almost uh, the so antenna much an is, is a, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it's a phased array design. It underwent development and testing this fall, according to the company. And the diameter is just 12 inches across the antenna, which is smaller and lighter than the legacy antenna designs. So Amazon is testing this uh, and showing the antenna can provide a maximum throughput of 400 megabits per second. The company also noted that the antenna can be used to stream 4K quality videos from geostationary satellite spacecraft that are located about 22,000 miles above the Earth. What do you think about that? I think,
2: uh, once again, <laughs> you know, it, it's almost similar to our arms race. <laughs> who can get there first? Who can make it make it bigger? Who can make it faster? Had uh, these uh, both Amazon and Tesla, they're going to spend, you know, uh, a, a, a huge amount of money uh, to uh, service this thing. And, and uh, but the cool part about this is going to be a lot of people that's going to benefit.
1: Yeah, well, according to SpaceX, though, see, Starlink will offer speeds up to gigabit per second. They're still a lot slower than Amazon at the moment.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, calling back to, you know, um, the episode we did. Yeah, we and that was one of the things uh, we was trying to figure out, like, how the hell was going to be addressed. And, and here comes Amazon to kind of <laughs> solve that. Uh, And uh, I think they kind of waited for uh, Mux to drop his first before they released theirs. You know, so it kind of seemed that way.
1: They actually tested the antenna at, uh, in Redmond, Virginia, uh, in Amazon Labs, and they were testing it out. Um, And I quote, if you want to make a difference for unserved and undeserved communities, you need to deliver service at a price that makes sense for customers by Raja Bajal, the vice president of technology for the project Coupier. It's like they just get their hands on everything, don't they? They do. You know, it- and the, the what they're already saying, and here they're already starting to nail their competitor. This isn't right. The 12-inch data makes the Amazon antenna much smaller than the Starlink antenna based on the photos of the SpaceX original terminal. And the beta testers have posted to Reddit to test out the SpaceX's Starlink hardware, The beta testers had to pay an upfront cost of $499 for all the equipment and then additional $99 a month. Amazon has said, not revealed its price yet, but the company did vow to invest $10 billion into the program. So who's going to be cheaper and who's going to have it fast? Who's going to have it? That's what it's going to come down to. Yeah. And that's a lot of money that, uh, uh, you know, Starlink is asking people to pay on $500 to get started. I mean, Amazon might decide to just, charge nothing who knows
2: yeah they definitely got the the, the leverage and the ability to do that they, they got you know they got a couple of customers already kind of locked in with services so they they can go direct to customers they already got you know with with, with on membership and say hey you know here's something just extra for you uh, if you want it so i, I think it's a uh, pure genius on their part
1: yeah. They're going to, they're going to put it into, they're going to put it into prime. Maybe it'll be prime plus. So yeah. The Amazon, Amazon prime, and they'll be Amazon prime sky or prime plus, which comes with, uh, uh, I don't know. comes with 200 megabytes a month or something. Yeah. Or four, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but one more important topic I want to hit is the iOS apple 14.3 that just released a few days ago. So, um, They did fix a lot of bugs. They addressed an issue where some of the MMS uh, messages may not be received. Uh, They had been blaming the carriers, but actually it was the software. Uh, They addressed an issue where contact groups failed to display members when composing a message. They addressed an issue where some videos would not appear correctly when shared from the photos app. They addressed an issue where the app folder may fail to open sometimes. They addressed an issue where Spotlight search results and opening apps in Spotlight may not work for some reason. And they addressed, addressed an issue where Bluetooth could be unavailable in settings sometimes. They addressed an issue where the MagSafe Duo charger could wirelessly charge your phone at less than the maximum power. That didn't work in the past. They addressed an issue where wireless accessories and peripherals using the WAC protocol could fail to complete setup. And they addressed an issue where the keyboard would dismiss when adding a list in reminders while using voiceover. Battery life is now stable. Wi-Fi connectivity is fast and now reliable and not crashing. Bluetooth is working normally and the GPS and cellular data are now considered stable. So let's talk about what you get beside the fixes. in the uh, new uh ios you get the pro raw tools which in short gives you a lot of basically free tools to allow you to do edits and some cosmetic touch-ups to photos making you more like a photo star uh, when you take pictures without having to have some fancy expensive software Um, they have a new fitness experience powered by the apple watch with the studio style workout And the video workouts added each week in 10 popular workout types. High intensity, interval training, indoor cycling, yoga, core strength, dancing, rowing, treadmill, walking, treadmill, running, and mindful cool down. They also now have support for the AirPod Max, uh, which they didn't have before. Uh, Support for the AirPod Max, new over-the-ear headphones. High fidelity audio for rich sound now actually works. Uh, The adaptive EQ adapts sound in real time to the personal fit of the ear cushions. The active noise cancellation in the block out environmental noise, all part of the AirPod Max. And the transparency mode to hear the environment around you. And spatial audio with dynamic head tracking for theater-like listening experiences. They also have the TV app and all in, uh, in one new Apple TV Plus tab that makes it easy to discover and watch Apple original shows and movies. Enhances search so you can browse by categories such as the genre, see recent searches, and suggestions as you type. Kind of like a smart type, like on Google. Top search results shown with the most relevant matches across movies, TV shows, cast, channels, and sports. App clips, uh, new feature, and health. The ability to indicate, listen to this, not just the health of you, indicate pregnancy, lactation, contraceptive use, cycle tracking, all in the in-help app in order to better manage the period including the fertile period of predictions for women Hmm. they had a lot to that didn't they marcus they did they really
2: packed that thing up and i think they took some extra (laughs) thought into it uh, this time so uh, do you think we're going to get a point uh,
1: a (sighs) 14.4 i i don't think we're going to get a 14.4 before the end of the year i think if everything is smooth and nothing happens I don't think we should see an update till January. Okay. I mean, the phone's been pretty smooth, but they have there is still one issue they have not fixed yet. Um, I think I mentioned it before. If you're using 802.11 uh, ax, which is the latest Wi-Fi technology, we had uh, we had N, we had AC, and now we have AX. If you're using a secure network that has a hidden beacon, hmm. the phone doesn't always connect. To the ax network it just doesn't connect and their solution is to unhide the network but that actually would compromise the security so that's not a good thing so uh but they don't consider that a major flaw they just consider yeah. it an annoyance so you have to go to your phone and type in the wi-fi network manually to join because it can't be found
2: yeah oh man uh, you know, <laughs> You know, it just—it seems like it just keeps going on and on. You know, but you know, but then again, none of these things are going to be perfectly worked out. Uh, but until then, I, I guess you got to keep enjoying what you have and just and keep and keep. <laughs> and keep learning yeah, the, the, the I have to tell right. you,
1: I've been very, very pleased with the iPhone 12 Max Pro. Been really pleased with it. It's been a much faster phone. Um, I do want to tell you one thing that I was unhappy with. Uh, I have the life proof case and I actually have this little, if you can see it on here, I have this, this little clip. Now this whole thing, you just twist this little thing. You turn it, it comes out. Well, the other day, my phone was only a month or so old, whatever. And I went to take this off, right? You know what happened? Snap. It broke. (laughs) Literally the magnet would not release. And then it came out. And the whole, all the springs just came in my hand. You could not put it back. Um, And I said, that's awfully terrible. So somebody obviously didn't do the right thing. Um, I later returned it and got another one. But the point is, is that the quality of workmanship is not where it should be. I don't know if I wanna blame the pandemic or what I wanna blame on it, but LifeProof, uh, which is supposedly a pretty good company, Uh, You know, they've they've been around for a very long time. Uh, I don't know, I I just feel like for whatever reason, they're just not putting the quality into the product that they used to. But I mean, to have an expensive device like that fail, uh, I don't know, I mean, what, what do you think about that? I just went to take the phone off me and suddenly the whole thing just pops right in my hand.
2: Yeah, it's really disappointing. Uh, it takes you takes you to the ringer and you know and of course some of these some of these things do come with a limited limited warranty so you so you can't you know uh, attempt to get another one under the warranty uh, so I mean I guess that's the, the 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 part of it that they look at and they they want to insert that in there like well hey you do got a warranty at least just call us back and, uh, and see what we can do for you uh, but uh, of
1: course, a, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. Now, LifeProof is, is based out of San Diego County, California. It's a U.S. consumer electronic accessory company. Um, but I just have this feeling uh, that, that they're not manufactured in California. I just have this funny hunch that maybe they're made in China.
2: We have um, looked into these type of products before, and you, you know most times out of most, it's from China. <laughs> so, so let's, take, let's take a wild guess here, I'm going to say it is.
1: Yeah, so Life Proof Case Manufacturers and Wholesalers, if you check, they say that they're designed in the US, they are, but actually, um, they are made in China. Oh, wow. So they're engineered in the U.S., but they're made in China. Oh. <laughs> then, then that tells you a lot, Dan, about
2: <laughs> what you can expect moving forward. You're gonna I, buy- don't,
1: I don't think they were doing that a while back, but, I mean, all I did was undo the thing and turn the phone, and, and it wouldn't come out, and I pulled it, and the thing literally just broke. And I'm like, now what? And it wasn't the case that broke. It was just the clip that broke.
2: Yeah, the, And
1: when this thing doesn't release, you put the phone on here, mm-hmm. just put it on here like this. And if I, if I lock it in place, which I'll do right now, you can see, Yeah, I can do whatever I want. That ain't coming off. Okay. So if that thing breaks and you eventually pull this out, the only way that magnet comes off is when you make this lower, it actually retracts the magnet. So when you, when it unlocks it, so when you twist the phone, it sets it back and that's what allows it to cause the disconnection. So it's, it's, it's a really neat design, but I think they just did a crappy uh, manufacturing job on quite a few batches of them. I'm hoping I don't have that problem again. I never had that problem with life proof in the past. I think more and more products markets are starting to get manufactured overseas because they're they're cheaper. I think we got to have incentives to make things in the United States.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's that something for something, you know, type of uh, mentality that's happening nowadays, and and that's mainly driven by the way the the economy's been going, and and the fact that they have lost so many workers due to COVID.
1: And and this case is like almost thirty dollars with the clip.
2: Yeah, it, it and it really doesn't cost that much to make <laughs> it. Nowhere near.
1: No, it. I, I bet you. I mean, the 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 little the the the. I think the adapter they get 19.99 for just they call it this little this little thing if you can see it on my phone yeah. they get like 19.99 for that little quick disconnect that little thing, and then the rest of the money is for this. But I, I mean, I just feel that you know, like I said, they're they're not putting the Q&A into these products, and if they keep doing stuff like this, I think they're going to another companies. They're going to learn their reputation because. You know, the expectation is going to change.
2: They're going to find out real quick and they're not going to be able to uh, come back from this.
1: Exactly. And there'll be another company that comes out with another product that might be better. Uh, Right now, they have a very good product and a good design, but you can have a good product and design. But if you don't manufacture it well, it's like if you have a great recipe for making cookies, but you skip on the ingredients, well, the cookies are going to suck yep indeed right. I,
2: and who 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 wants cookies that's been you know uh licked licked on before and then put back together don't do oreos eh?
1: nobody likes no it like that. no no or or or, <laughs> or, or 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 cook or cookies that have a uh, bad flour or that have uh old sugar <laughs> or or maybe uh, that have butter that's just been sitting around too long
2: no yeah, and, and, and Christmas is coming up around the, around the right around the corner, and like I, I'm not looking forward to somebody's bad cookies.
1: <laughs> Let alone a defective so, product underneath so, the tree. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can't really get it. up You can't return. And the thing is, on Christmas Day, what are you going to do? Well, we got a defective cookie. What do you do? Well, that's too late. It's like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh you know that th- this is another another show has uh elapsed us marcus i don't know where the time goes yeah so
2: so quick and we, we we're getting very close here to uh just the holiday season uh, well the holiday season is here you know well we're getting close to it, it,
1: it's Christmas. it's it's here we have a very uh great guest for you next yeah. show which is actually going to be on december 25th we're going to pre-record that show sorry we're not actually going to be here on december 25th <laughs> i'm sorry to disappoint yeah. you but you can still watch it on december 25th uh when we air it or you can watch it the day after or what ha- what have you uh we have a great gentleman coming uh his name is michael whitehouse maybe you've heard of him before Uh great guy and he's going to talk to us about a very, very interesting topic. Uh, first of all, he actually uh, wrote a book. And his site is a guy. It's called, it's called A Guy Who Knows a Guy. He is a motivational speaker. Um, he is a coach. Uh, he's an organizer. But he, oh, he wasn't always this. This just started, Marcus, around the COVID time. So he kind of reinvented himself. And he wrote the book, The Guy Who Knows a Guy. And what he's going to be uh, talking to me about is how you can actually make money at home from just using some basic technology, even if you're not a guru.
2: That's going to be really exciting. I'm looking really forward to that particular episode. I, I think a lot of us can learn from that one.
1: So it's on December 25th and he said this is great that he's gonna be on that day because he's gonna give a gift i said what's that he said he's giving the gift of himself on christmas or the holiday
2: (laughs) what a wonderful touch
1: (laughs) well listen ladies and gentlemen if uh we hope you've been enjoying the shows we have a lot coming for you in 2021 we have some more celebrities coming uh we just have a lot of good stuff coming next year But listen, uh, if you have an idea for a show, for a guest, reach out to us, jmor.com. Click on reach out. Let us know if it's you or whoever it is. Let us know what you'd like to talk about. We just ask that if you do reach out to us, it is not a sales presentation. Um, There's going to be a pre-vetting interview of about 15 to 20 minutes to make sure that this is something valid. And again, as long as it's something that has value, it's in the tech space. Remember, we, edu- we um, interview thought leaders, uh, other people in the tech space, uh, other innovators, people that use technology in a very unique way. Or if you have a particular product and you'd like me to unbox that product, review that product, and maybe talk about it online, I'd love to hear from you. You do have to send us the product and you do have to donate it. But, hey, you get all this free airtime and you get us talking about your product and even telling people about it. And I think it's great, especially if you have a product out there. Um, we're going to talk about the product, not so much from selling the product, but what you did differently or what we think about this product or how it works or things like that. So uh, that's what's coming up, I do hope. Uh, that all of you do enjoy your holidays uh, as uh, I know Hanukkah has passed and Christmas is here next week. Happy, healthy, and safe uh, holidays. Remember to practice the se- a safe social distancing of six feet or, um, or further. And remember that if you are somewhere, a good practice is to carry one of these little tiny spray bottles with you and spray the handle of a doorknob. Can't hurt. It'll prevent you from getting any type of infection, especially before you touch your face. Remember to wash your hands or to spray that. This has been another great show, Marcus. And uh, I guess we're going to see everybody uh, next week uh, on our recording on the 25th. Sounds good. All right. We'll see you then. Good holidays, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the J. Moore Weekly Technology Show, where we answer your questions about how technology is supposed to work and sometimes why you have challenges getting it to work that way. For more IT support and tips, just text IT support to 88811. That's IT support to 88811, and you'll get tips on technology. I'll see you next week right here on the J-Moore Tech Talk Show. Remember, jmor.com. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, Do It For You, Montgomery County.
0: Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at DoItForYouMC.org.